There are some who end up being given or being born with um, an unfortunate name, a name that probably caused them some angst, especially in the elementary years and going into junior high. Um, one such individual, his name is Jake Butt, and it is spelled B-U-T-T. You can just imagine what that was like when he was in elementary school and all of the other elementary kids. However, it is very unlikely that anyone makes fun of him now. Um, he is almost 6'6 and weighs 244, 245 pounds and was just drafted by the Denver Broncos into the NFL. He was drafted in the fifth round as the first pick. There is something about what happened that I just so wish it could happen for the rest of us normal folk, but it won't. You see, he was supposed to be drafted, perhaps the second round, some even thought maybe the end of the first, but he tore his ACL in the Orange Bowl, and it pushed him back into the fifth round. However, and here's the part, he got insurance. He got insurance so that when he was passed over in the positions where he should have been drafted, he made money, about $10,000 per pick. So he's drafted into the NFL and then handed a check for $543,000 because he wasn't chosen where he should have been chosen. Could you imagine if we could have that kind of insurance? Could you imagine if like all of the things that you deserved or you thought you deserved and like when you didn't get them, somebody just gave you a $500,000 check? Would that make it worth it, maybe? Would you feel a little better about being passed over as you got that check? Would you look for ways to just be passed over so you could get more checks? But as we know, life doesn't work for the rest of us like that. We don't have that kind of insurance. Um, we get passed over on things. Um, we get into positions where we get filled with, I mean, I can imagine if I'm sitting there and I'm going, they didn't choose me. They didn't choose me. They didn't choose me. And I'm just, I'm getting more and more anxious, wondering, like, am I going to get picked? And, and he's going, $10,000, $10,000, 10000 more. But we don't, we don't get that. We just get passed over. Um, and then we have to deal with the anxiety. We have to deal with the fear. All, all of the what ifs, or the how's this going to work, or, or what's next for me without my check. What do we do? As we open up the scriptures this morning, the disciples are afraid. What has happened has brought fear and anxiety. They don't have answers. What do they do? What do we do? Open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 19.
John chapter 20 and verse 19. On the evening of that day, so it was the morning that he was raised, so it's been the whole day. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, so here they are. They're up in this room. They have locked the door. And it says, John writes, they are afraid of the Jews. That's why they're in this room. And that's why they've locked the door. They have fear and they're trying to find peace. And so they've locked the door to try to bring safety to themselves. Now, why are they afraid? Because Jesus, even with all of his power, with all of his successful ministry, he has been captured and he has been killed. And they couldn't stop it. Not only that, when he was arrested, they ran. One of them denied him to save his own skin. And they're at a point now where they're going, we're next. And just to make it worse, the body is gone. Now, the women have some crazy, ludicrous story that, like, he's been raised. That's ridiculous. What they know has happened is somebody has taken that body, and who's going to be blamed for it? They are. I mean, the Jews even wanted guards posted because they were worried the disciples would steal the body. Now the body's gone. They're going to be blamed for it. They are afraid for their present circumstances. And then, for three years, they gave everything up. Like, can they even go back to their old jobs? Their present, their future, all of it. They are afraid, and they've locked themselves away. I have a question for you. When you are afraid, when you're anxious, do you put yourself locked up in your own mind? Reviewing over and over in your head all of the things that either went wrong, what you wished you would have said, wondering, I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this thing. It's out there and I just keep thinking about it and how I can get it even though there's nothing I can really do about it. Do you lock yourself up in your own mind and just go over and over again on the things you can't control? That's where they're at. They've locked themselves up with their fears. But Jesus shows up. Back into the text, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus shows up. Now, John does not emphasize how. He doesn't say like he walked through the wall or he materialized, but something miraculous did happen. They are behind locked doors, and it's interesting, he bypasses the very thing they're trying to give themselves peace with. He just goes right through it in some way. And here he is, he shows up, and he says, peace. He'll say it again in a minute. He says it this first time, and when he says it, nothing happens. It does not alleviate their fears. He says it, and so we all know this saying, right? Peace be with you. I mean, we say it every Sunday. We're going to say it in a little while. Before communion, at some point, I will say, the peace of the Lord be with you, and you will say, I mean, we say this. They've been saying it for thousands of years. It's a greeting. Peace be with you. But it's so much more in what Jesus is saying in this moment, and they don't see it. 
they don't get it. He says it, they're still afraid. It's as if it comes in and goes right back out. And I wonder, without trying to be mean, um, certainly I don't want to be heretical because as of what I said last week, I wouldn't be able to preach anymore if I was. But I wonder if this is not the way that we often hear God's word. That it is spoken to us or we read it, but it does nothing to alleviate anything we're going through. It doesn't give us hope. It doesn't give us encouragement. We hear it like they hear the first time he says peace. It just, it's there, but it, we don't take it in. We don't trust it, we don't believe it, we don't hear it for what it is. It just bounces off, and we keep going about our life in the same fear and anxiety that we had before the word was given to us. When my daughter was younger, um, she's never been really good at cleaning her room, especially keeping it clean, um, and it's been since she was very young. And I remember being kind of frustrated one time and telling her, go up and clean your room. And I went up to check on her a little while later, and she's just sitting in the middle of her messy room playing. And I'm just, why did you not clean your room? And, and very uh, sincerely, she says, well, Daddy, I, I thought that was just an option. I am so convinced that so often that's how we see the word of God. We wouldn't say that. Nobody would say that. But it's how we respond to it. It's just, okay, I heard that. that that's great. Now I'm going to go play amidst the mess that's still in my room. Do you hear it and receive it? Or do you hear it and it just flows away with the wind? Now, thankfully... Jesus does not give up on them, and he doesn't give up on us. Keep reading. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He says, look, look at the scars. Look at my side where it was there. And what he's doing is he's proving something to them. He is not a figment of their imagination. He's not a dream. He's not an imposter. He is the Lord that has been risen. And when I say that, what I, and, and they would have gotten this. Hey, Lazarus was risen, but in a different way. Lazarus was essentially resuscitated. He was brought back exactly as was before. Not in the case of Jesus. The reason he could show up in that room is because he has been resurrected. This is something they've been looking forward to, and it has happened with him. This is something amazing and phenomenal that blows all of their categories and changes the way that they see the situation so that then they were glad, and I really hate that translation. Uh, it really, really does not get across the force. Um, it needs to be rejoice. Right? It's, a, it's a stronger word than glad is in English. Right? This is the word that is describing the woman who spends all this time looking for the coin and when she finally finds it, she rejoices. This is the word that's used to describe rejoicing at a wedding. This is like, wow! Their fear becomes rejoicing because he was raised. 
Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now this second time, they get it. The second peace, they understand. The first peace was like, I'm still afraid. I don't know what that even means. The second piece, this is not a welcome. It's not a salutation. It's a pronouncement. It's a declaration. It is a peace be with you. Not hi, which is normally what that is. Nor does he mean some rote thing in the way that we often quote scripture the way that sometimes, so uh, in our, we have habits of doing things like when we say the word of the Lord, we say thanks be to God. That's not written in your bulletin today. You said that because it just naturally flows off your tongue without even thinking about it. That's the peace be with you the first time. The second time it was something else. Something sunk in. Peace be with you. You have peace. And this is not the first time that he has talked about peace. If you have a Bible, look back at John 14. There are a number of things that are coming together for the disciples right now. John 14. Go to verse 23. I'm sorry, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace. It's a very particular kind of peace. My peace I am giving to you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. He is making a differentiation between a kind of peace that he is giving, offering, putting upon them, And a peace of the world, let me tell you about the peace of the world. It is the locked doors that they are behind. It is when we have fear and anxiety in our lives and we look for our ways of trying to bring peace. Locked doors. If I could only get that paycheck. Chocolate. Come on, tell me chocolate isn't true for some of you. There are all kinds of ways that when we feel the hurt, the anxiety, the fear, we try to bring peace to our lives. But they cannot last. Those doors can be busted down by Roman soldiers, which is why even when they're locked, there still isn't peace there. Because our peace doesn't last when it comes from the world. But Jesus says, I have a peace, my peace, that I give to you. And he keeps going, let not your hearts be troubled. And you know what? In that room, their hearts were troubled. And I would imagine that in this room right now, there are troubled hearts. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, which they will later, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Things start to click for them when they see the scars. 
and they realize something phenomenal, something unexplainable is taking place. And the words that he has spoken, they are more than words. Jump over to John 16, because he's gonna say it again. John 16, go to the end, verse 33. Similar language. I have said these things to you that in me, Remember, it's my peace and it's in me. It's not the world. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Amen? You will have tribulation. I'm not here to sell you snake oil. To say to you that if you just believe in Jesus, everything will be happy, hunky-dory, and there'll be roses and sunshine and all the time in your life. He says there will be tribulation, but take heart. It means to have courage. It means to show some grit in your life. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the thing you're trying to find peace through. What does all this mean? What is his peace that he is offering? Why is it that the disciples finally go, oh, what's happening? Go back to John 19, uh, John 20. I want to talk to you about the peace of Christ. It is peace with Christ. God, church, please hear this. Don't let this just kind of, oh yeah, I got that, passes over me. This is what I know is true. I know because I have talked to people in this room. I know this is true. You have anxiety when it comes to your relationship with God. You do not feel forgivable at times. You do not feel lovable at times. You do not feel like you've done enough. You feel like because you keep screwing up, you are not worth the forgiveness of God. You feel like you have to do this, this, or this in order to receive it. And there is an anxiety in your soul, a barrier between you and God. I say this with compassion and gentleness and mercy. That is on you. Because Christ has offered you peace. And the war that you are waging right now God buried the hatchet 2,000 years ago when Christ died on a cross and rose again. You have peace with God if you will accept it. He has done everything necessary so that there no longer has to be war between you and God. There no longer has to be anxiety. There no longer has to be fear in your relationship. There can be true peace between you and God. And right now, I want you to pray with me.
Lord, my words can only go so far. I'm asking you and your spirit to change hearts, to allow your peace to sink into the lives of those who are struggling with their relationship with you. Lord, let them know that they truly are forgiven, that they are at peace with you. Let us all know that, Lord, that we can live out of that peace. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. It is peace with God. It is also peace with Scripture. And here's what I mean by that. He emphasized twice that when I rise, you will know the things that I have said are real. When he first came to them and he said, peace, they did not trust that. That was not real to them. Their fear was more real than his word. But when he rose and they got it, they realized his word is more real than anything else. You can trust the scripture. You can rely on the scripture. Not again as a cliche, but as truth because he rose. He overcame. You have peace with scripture. And lastly, when he says he overcame the world, he means he overcame all of it. Sin, death, the devil, the present, all of it. He means he made it so that eternity is real. You know the end of the story already. There is nothing that you are going through. Paul writes it this way. The sufferings that we have presently cannot compare to the glory that is to come. We can actually look towards what is to come and recognize that no matter how bad or how hard or how much struggle we have right now, there is something to come that it is so much greater. And let me just be honest. This is what I was doing this week as I was studying this. When anxiety and fear was coming, and it comes all the time, I was reminding myself, I have peace with God. And, and there is something to that that is so amazing and beautiful. I mean, I, I remember pretty distinctly when I first found out that Aaron actually liked me. <laughs> One, I was in shock. Like, I can't believe this is actually happening. But I remember going over and telling her that I like her and finding out she liked me and her looking at me like I'm a moron because of course she already knew all of this, but I didn't. And, and I remember coming back to my dorm room and it did not matter what anybody said to me. Hey, we have a surprise test tomorrow you didn't know about. I don't care, she likes me. <laughs> You're getting kicked out of your dorm. I don't care, she likes me. I mean, it, it changes everything. Do you know that you're the friend of Jesus? And I don't mean like that totally cliche, like in college where like, oh, Jesus is my buddy kind of thing. No, he calls you his friend. Like to know that I have perfect peace with God, I just kept telling myself, I have peace with God. Like whatever's going on, I have peace with God. Not only that, his word actually is true. Like there are things that it tells me it's real. And instead of letting it bounce off me 
and, and be like, you know, let me just take the one that nobody really does. Rejoice in your trials. That just bounces right off. But that's true. I can rejoice in my trials because of what God does through them. And number three, I kept telling myself, no matter what's going on right now, I know what the end is. This won't last. There was a saying, this too shall pass. A lot of people, it's true. This too shall pass. There is nothing that we go through that doesn't pass, either in this life or in the next. His peace is all of those things. The picture that I kind of have in my head, there's a painting by Max Gabriel called The Last Token, and it's a Christian martyr painting. And it's this woman who is, young lady, who is standing in the arena, and she's got, on one side, there's a K, a, a, a bars that are blocking, and it's opened up, and this leopard is coming out of them. And on the other side, there's hyenas that are wrestling. They're both right next to her. And there's a rose on the ground. And of course, you know the rose has been thrown down, and she's just looking up. And there's a peace on her face, even though she's surrounded by all of this. My peace in the midst of tribulation, that's the image I have. Looking up to my Lord right in the middle of what I'm going through. When that happens, and this is where I'll end, this can happen. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, without the peace of Christ, I could not accept that because that is freaky. Do you understand what he's saying? There was a plan before the creation of the world that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit put together and they're carrying out, and he's just said, as the Father sent me to do his plan, I am now going to send you. Here's the divine outworking of life and I want you to have a role right in it. I want you to do what I was doing. That is scary to me, that I could have any, like, even connection. But he's telling me what I was doing, I want you to do. And then he goes on to continue to make it scarier. And he said, to the, he, he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Did you know that you can offer forgiveness to somebody? But even more, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Just let that sink in for a minute. What in the world is he talking about? I mean, this has got to be just for like priests, right? This has got to be when you go through that whole process of getting ordained, you got to have plastic around your neck. Or there's no way you could be saying these things, right? Let me tell you what he's doing. You have been commissioned to do what Christ did. Christ only wept three times. And one of those times, you know why he was weeping? Because they did not get his peace. He wanted it so badly for them and they would not receive it peace. Do you know what he's offering him here? Peace. 
Do you know what you are to offer to people? Peace. And here's what he's saying, the same thing he said to the disciples. It's not that you get to go around and go, well, I've decided that you're forgiven, but you're not. I had to wait till he looked at me to see that, you know. That's not the point. The point is you get to offer peace to people with God. And when they embrace it, you can pronounce, you are right with God. And when they reject it, you can say, you are not right with God until you will accept what he has to offer. And you know, back in college, we, in order to share the gospel, this is what we often did. We would say to people, you walk up to them, and this is the intro sentence, do you know where you're going to go when you die? I'm not sure that sentence means much today. I don't know most people would care. But I do think there is a sentence that we can ask. Do you have peace in your life? How many people in Frisco don't have peace in their life? How many people in Frisco have anxiety? You can offer them the peace of Christ. We got hit pretty badly with the hailstorm that came like the golf ball sized hail. Um, and so we called somebody to come out and look at the roof and you know, get it replaced, and he came out and he looked, and then we had to have the insurance adjuster come out, and the insurance adjuster came, came out on Thursday morning. He looked at everything, and then he called me out, and I'm standing on the porch, and I'm with the insurance adjuster, and I'm with the roofer. And uh, the insurance adjuster, um, he likes to talk. He could have told me, you know, here's what's wrong, and here's what we're going to do, blah, 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 but he just started telling me stories. I mean, I can tell you where his kid lives and what his kid does for a living and what his kid's favorite hobby is. And his kid's grown, too. This isn't like a little one. He's, I can tell you what he was doing before he was a roofer. Uh, I mean, this guy, just he's just talking. But here's the thing. He's talking like a sailor. I mean, he's just F this and SH that. And I mean, just going off. And the roofer, he's just joining in. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm kind of wasting your time here. Let me give you the thing. And by the way, it's kind of nice you could be home in the middle of the day. What do you do? <laughs> I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, sh <laughs> And you could see the anxiety on this guy's face that all of a sudden he's like, and he's just like so uncomfortable and I went, dude, it is okay. I have not always been a pastor. I was not born this way. And even though I'm still this way, I guarantee you that that same language occasionally comes out of my mouth. It's even come out with a collar on. I thought about making it come out this morning just to prove the point, And I thought, no, that's bad. There's kids in the room. But there was also a bit of a release of tension in him. I got to see a little bit what it's like to offer peace to people. You will never be able to offer God's peace to somebody if you don't have God's peace. It's the same thing he was talking about in John 13 on Monday, Thursday when we talked about the foot washing. You don't receive what I have for you. You don't have something to give to somebody else. And so here's my message this morning.
receive the peace of Christ. Not because you deserve it, but because he wants to give it to you. and Because he did everything necessary for you to receive it. Receive the peace of Christ. And with that, you have the honor and the privilege of extending that to somebody else and to watch the anxiety leave them as they get the peace of Christ. Church, may the peace of Christ be with you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that that you would give, that you would do anything necessary to bring us into a relationship with you. Or for every person in this room who maybe doesn't know you, for those who know you, but they're in such turmoil over their relationship with you. Lord, please this morning, give them your peace. Let them know your love. Let them know they are loved. That they might know that peace that surpasses all understanding and have the glorious opportunity to maybe give it to somebody else. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.